0: Thank you for being here, for those of you, so that way I have people to talk to and it's not just empty chairs. Um, But I will be up here for a few weeks giving Pastor Stokes a little break so he can focus on his family as needed as they get things in order and family starts to come to town um, for the funeral. I am not sure when... Um, Pastor John's funeral will be, but whenever we do find out, we will make the announcement, as I know many of us have met him here. However, this teaching <clears throat> that I have labeled, and I've went back and forth on what to uh, call this sermon series, but it has been inspired by a book that I picked up at the Billy Graham um, Retreat in Asheville, North Carolina this summer. And it's called Nearing Home. It's Billy Graham's last book that he wrote. And um, being in this season that I am in, I have known over 12 people to pass away in the past year. That's not an easy season to be in, especially when some of those who have passed were not believers. I keep seeing on Facebook people saying, well, they went to heaven, or they're watching you. Oh, that really bugs me, because nowhere in Scripture does it say that they're looking down on us. I believe they're glorifying our Lord and Savior, and talking with those who have gone before us. But, again, this uh, sermon series that I labeled, Nearing Home in the Faith, um, was based on this book. Now, planning in faith for our address change is something that I've heard other pastors talk about in the past. But again, you guys all know that I have a grandfather that recently passed away, and some of the information that I will share with you not only comes from the Nearing Home book, it also comes from living a year of Kaddish. This is something that I have handed out to people that I know. At times, if you've lost a mother or a father, Um, In the past, and I did not give you one of these, I apologize, but you can see me after the service and I will make sure that you get one of these books. Um, But it's a comforting piece, right? Because in this congregation, once a month, we say Kaddish for those who have gone before us or while we're in that season of mourning. And so um, it brings it home. It's about a gentleman who actually lost his father and his mother had already passed away, so it's going through his grief process for both parents in that first year um, without either one. But again, um, some most of what I'm going to be sharing today comes from the scriptures, and there's little gleanings, little pieces of scripture um, that I'm going to base it on, and then I'm going to encourage you, To take what I say and start to practice it. Because we live in our faith. And planning for that address change. Because I can guarantee you, every one of you that I'm looking at today is not getting off of this earth unless Jesus returns in this body. Your spirit will go to live with Him for all eternity. And then when Jesus returns, your spirit will reunite with your body. But it will be a heavenly body, thank goodness because I don't know about you, but this body here is not perfect. I try to work out and make it perfect, but it is not perfect quite yet. So, Jesus even, when he was transformed, people could tell who he was, if he wanted them to, right? Because he was walking along the road to Emmaus, and they didn't know who he was. So, I always thought that was an interesting fact. Alright, so another little piece... The Billy Graham Retreat is in Nashville, North Carolina. This is a little advertisement for about a year from now. Kara and I were talking, and we thought it would be nice if we had a couples retreat. And the reason why we say couples retreat at his um, at the Billy Graham Retreat in Nashville, North Carolina, one, is you can't have kids there. right? And so if you want to plan then you're more than welcome to come with us. If we can get just two or three couples, we can actually um, do something. But if not, then maybe Kara and I will just go on our own. But there will be people that were part of the Disciple Center that live a lot closer than we do here in California. But we think it would be a great time if you ever wanted to see the fall leaves. It would be a great time to go there. <clears throat> and I do have pictures, and I do. I would be happy to share with you my experience while I was there. All of us know who Billy Graham was. He's a great minister, not to just this nation, but to the nations for Jesus Christ. And so, again, none of us are leaving this world, and that's why I come to you with this series of nearing home in faith. Okay? And this is something that I take pers- personally because people just don't talk about it. I've heard... Family and friends talk about summer vacations that they've had planned for years and that they start to plan for um, and they get excited about. But I don't hear anybody getting excited about dying. Well, let me tell you what. I was talking to Pastor Mike just last week in passing. And I, I said, how are you doing? And Pastor Mike said, I'm doing all right. I said, well... I guess the alternative isn't too good. And he goes, what are you talking about? The alternative is amazing, right? The alternative, if we die on this earth, we're in the presence of the Lord. And then another conversation happened later on in the week where Becca caught me off guard and she said, well, if we die, it's even better, right? And I was like, yeah, but what do you do with that with the child, right? You don't want to encourage suicide, But you also want them to know that, yes, it's even better there. My grandfather that just passed away, interesting enough, talking about life and death, and I always had that perspective of eternity because I grew up on the backside of the cross, as some would say. I grew up in the church. But this one pulled me aside, and there was a bunch of suicides going on in my life, um, friends in my teenage years. And he said, son, let me tell you one thing. Yes, those parents will be impacted, but they will continue to go on and live. You continue to live this life even when somebody passes away. And that really impacted me. And I thought, how do you go on when somebody so close passes away? From a man that I didn't see live out of faith. But he was right. I've had family members pass away suddenly, I've had family members pass away with cancer and struggle, and then pass away years later. I've seen several different things happen in life. And people not plan for funerals, people that did plan for funerals and made it easier on their family. Why are we not talking about this? Why are we not planning to make it easier on those left behind? That's what I'm going to encourage today. And we're going to look at passages of Scripture For the Lord said, even in the beginning, in Genesis 2-7, he says, Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being, Genesis 2-7. And then sin entered into this world through Adam. And And the Lord said again, after the sin and the fall... He says in three nine of Genesis, By the sweat of your face you will eat bread till you return to the ground. Because from it you were taken. For you are dust, and dust you shall return. The one that gives us hope is Jesus Christ. He told Mary and Martha who were struggling with the death of their brother and crying out. They wanted him to come earlier because they knew he could heal them. They didn't think He would be raised from the dead. But we know that Jesus told Mary, He told Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in Me will live, even if He dies. That's our hope. So if we have that hope, why don't we get excited and start planning for that marriage supper of the Lamb? I don't know. People just don't do that. Well, let me tell you, some people I know are planning in that way. Now, I want to talk about this because we have to start planning now. Whenever you're younger, you need to start getting life insurance. If you have children, you need life insurance. You need to make sure your family is taken care of in case something tragically happens. Thinking about it now, the first ten years of the Disciple Center, I was quite amazed. We didn't have any deaths. We didn't have a whole lot of sorrow Um, And I was here for the first 9 or 10 years of the Disciple Center when it was formed. And that's probably because we were a younger congregation. I can't say that anymore. The last 10 years, the last 11 years, we've had people in our congregation pass away. We've had family members of the congregation pass away. But if they were in the faith, we're excited for them, but we're grieving. Not as those of the world, of course. So why do we not start the plan? If you want to go to Hawaii, or you want to go to visit some foreign country, like maybe Israel, one day, do you start the plan now? Or do you just wait until the time, and then you walk up to the airport and say, hey, my family's here, we're going to get on your plane and go? That doesn't work. You have to purchase the tickets, you have to save the money, and you even have to think about what you're going to wear and where you're going to go when you get there. Because you have to plan where you're going to stay. A lot of Christians don't take that time and start to plan. Let me tell you right now, let's turn over to Matthew twenty-five forty-six. Or let me read this to you. Matthew twenty-five forty-six says, These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. If you're not planning, and you're not looking at the Scripture, and you're not living out that Scripture, you don't want to look at the eternal perspective. But if you are, don't worry about the. Get things in order here. Because you're going to meet the bridegroom whenever he comes. You're going to meet Him in heaven. You're going to see how we continue. And we don't have to fear it. There's nothing to fear. Your parents, my parents, my I lost my last grandfather recently, as most of you know. That generation's gone for me and my family. The next one are my parents. Are your parents planning their funerals? Are they going to make you take up the burden to plan their funeral? that's something that most of the time if you've had to arrange it instantaneously you don't want to put on your loved ones in the passage of Matthew 6:31 it says do not worry then saying what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for clothing for the gentiles that's people of the world the gentiles Gentiles, eagerly seek all these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first His kingdom, His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, or tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble for its own. I've heard people use this passage, and I bring this up because they say, Look, Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow tomorrow will take care of itself, I don't need to worry about my funeral, that just causes me anxiety. If Jesus is the center of your life, death should not scare us. We should be ready for it, whenever it does come. Because me, traveling out the rancho, I could die any day in a car accident. But I need to prepare in such a way that it won't affect my family other than emotionally. I can't stop that emotional pain that would happen if some, for some reason I'm gone tomorrow. But I do want to say with that, just like Pastor Chuck said, I heard him in a sermon one time, and when he was nearing home, he said, listen, one day, I want you to know, do not believe it when you hear that one day that I've died. For I will be more alive than ever before. It's just that my address changed. And then I am in the presence of my living God. I thought, wow, that is an amazing testimony. We have to be prepared. Because that passage of scripture causing anxiety for the passing of who we are, people worry about. And I've heard this excuse too. From people that I've counseled. And I've talked to older people, wiser. I try to respect them, but they say, I feel like if I put things in place, then they're going to happen. That's not the way our faith works. When we put things in place, God allows us to take the next step, and the next step, and we don't have to worry about that anymore. By the way, this is something that yeah this is something that I've taken care of with Kara. She knows where I want to be buried. If if we wouldn't be thinking that maybe in 20 years when our girls go away to college, that's not 20 years from now by the way, that's only 10. Holy moly. But we're training them to go to college and not to come back. We've told them we will sell our place when we're ready to retire. And we will buy different places if we need to. So we don't know where we're going to live. But we have sat down with somebody up here, right up here at a Catholic cemetery because it's a religious cemetery. And I love the fact that it's away from the city. And it's in the country. And I found out it's going to cost $18,000. That's a lot of money! But you know what we did? We started planning. And we started saving. And now we have enough money that if something was to happen to me tomorrow or today, she can go buy a plot up there. We've already talked to them. They said, wow, you guys are really interesting, your churches. You're multi-denominational, you do some of the Catholic stuff. Do, are you sure you're not Catholic? I said, no, I'm not Catholic, I promise you that. But you come in my into this congregation, you'll see the candles out there to light for those who have passed. You'll hear some of the prayers. You'll see some of that liturgy. He said, okay, you guys can come if you guys ever want to be buried here. And whenever he told me the price, I kind of coughed. I was like, so that's only for one piece, but both of us, he said, yeah. I said, okay, it's a lot of money. And then Kara said, look into Oklahoma, see what it costs there. Anyone want to guess what it would cost in Oklahoma to be buried? Some would say that's a holy land. How much, Pastor Mike? Five to eight thousand. Yeah, it's about $5,000. That's amazing how much of a difference. Just California. But the thing is, let me tell you this. Some people, they don't value um, being buried close by their loved ones, which, okay, some people say, just burn me and... You can just, and I tell people, I'm not carrying your ashes. You've got to find out where you're going to go, right? At the same time, I go out to my grandfather's grave. I go out to my grandmother's grave every once in a while. It is comforting for me to know that that place in which they are buried is a holy place because one day when Jesus comes back and that trumpet sounds, that grave is going to open. That is something that maybe your kids, maybe your grandkids would want to go visit. Something that you need to think about. Why do we need to plan? Well, in Matthew 25, if you want to turn over there with me, He says in this passage, when we glean from this passage, He's saying, plan for the marriage supper of the Lamb. Why would you not want to plan for this? When we see these passages of Scripture, it says, Then the kingdom of heaven will be comparable to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Our bridegroom is coming back one day, is he not? Five of them were foolish and five were prudent. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the prudent took oil and flasks along with their lamps. Now while the bridegroom was delaying, they all got drowsy and began to sleep. But at midnight, there was a shout, Behold, the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Uh-oh, some of them are going to have their lamps going out, I have a feeling. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the prudent, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. No way I would give my oil away, because then I wouldn't have enough. But the prudent answered, No, there will not be enough for us and you too. Go instead to the dillers and buy some for yourselves. And while they were going away to make the purchase the bridegroom came and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast and the door was shut. Later the other virgins also came saying, Lord, Lord, open up for us. And the Lord answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Be on the alert then, for you do not know the day nor the hour. You do not know the day nor the hour when you're going to go either. Be prepared. Don't be that one that's going to make your children have to plan right then your funeral. Let them know what you have planned. The interesting thing is, going to this, my mom has a stack of stuff. Right, She had to help her family plan her mother's funeral and everything when she passed away. Now, my grandmother was 36 when she passed away. Totally understand, you're not prepared. Well, I'm 46. I'm 10 years past my grandmother's death date or death year. But I don't know if I'm going to go tomorrow. I'm preparing for that. Now, can you imagine having to plan that funeral whenever your loved one just passed away? Do you think that is exactly what the morticians want? The people that run the funeral homes want? My mom, she was a great mom, and I want to give her the best of everything. Well, yes, sir, of course, your mother was so great. Now, do you want this $2,000 casket, or do you want this micro, amazing boom box casket with a TV in it and all these extras now your mom what what was her favorite show oh she liked days of my days of our lives well we can put that on every day for her really come on people that's exactly they're gonna go into a sales pitch and you're gonna buy more than what you think take me put me in a wooden box bury me because that's all I'm gonna know I tease my kids. Granted, I do tease them, and Kara will testify to this if needed. I tell them, "Put make sure you give me a cherry Coke and you know some different things in there. But I really don't need any of that because, you know what? God has better than cherry Coke up there, and I don't have to worry about that. And he has chicken and dumplings. That's one of my favorite too. But um, And then Kara the other day said, he'll probably have better than chicken and dumplings, sweetie. So... But Rebecca and Hannah said, they're going to put chicken and dumplings in my coffin. I said, well, don't open up that coffin in a few months, because that's going to be bad. But imagine having to plan that funeral when somebody didn't plan for themselves, especially if they live in the faith. Why would you not do that? Genesis 23 gives us an example of somebody in the Scriptures And we all know him, Abraham. His wife passed away. It's going to give us the amount of years she lived. But during his grieving process for his wife, he has to put aside his grief and barter to buy a place to bury her. He does this. I'll read through this in a minute. But then the next two generations don't have to worry about it because they're going to be buried there too. Let me ask you, do you think it was easier for Abraham or was it easier for Isaac when he knew where to take Rebekah to be buried? Was it easier for Jacob when he took Leah to be buried there? I say, if you already have it in mind... It would be easier for the other. And by the way, if some of these are reading glasses, that's why I switch back and forth. Alright. Genesis 23 says, Now Sarah lived 127 years. These were the years of the life of Sarah. Sarah died in Kiriath Arba. That is Hebron. It's still Hebron today. You can still go to the tomb. It's not recommended for Americans to go there, even with what Rami has told me. You may not want to go there, and if you do, don't take your daughters. You're taking a risk on yourself. So it's Hebron. In the land of Canaan, and Abraham went in to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. Then Abraham rose from before his dead and spoke to the sons of Heth, saying, This is why Karen and I, I I can relate to Abraham here. He's traveling, right? This this world is not ours, I get it. But if you know you're not going anywhere, you may as well start to plan this heavenly journey that you're gonna go on and for those who are left behind to bury you there. But as for me and Kara, we're not sure if we'll still be here in the next fifteen to twenty years. So we don't we plan financially, but we do not plan on buying a plot. I'm a stranger and a sojourner among you, Abraham says. Give me a burial site among you, that I may bury my dead out of my sight. The son of Heth answered Abraham, saying to him, Hear us, my lord. You are a mighty prince among us. Bury your dead in the choicest of our graves. None of us will refuse you his grave for burying your dead. So Abraham rose and bowed to the people of the land the sons of Heth. He spoke with them, saying, If it is your wish for me to bury my dead out of my sight, hear me, approach Ephron, the son of Zohar, for me, that he may give me the cave of Mechbalah, which he owns, which is at the end of the field, his field. For the full price, let him give it to me in your presence for a burial site. Now Ephron was sitting among the sons of Heth, and Ephron the Hittite answered, Abraham, in the hearing of the sons of Heth, even of all who went in at the gate of his city, saying, Now my lord, hear me. I give you the field. I give you the cave that is in it. In the presence of the sons of my people, I give it to you. Bury your dead. Abraham bowed before the people of the land. He spoke to Ephron in the hearing of the people of the land, saying, If you will only please listen to me I will give the price of the field, accept it from me, that I may bury my dead there. Then Ephron answered Abraham, saying to him, My lord, listen to me, a piece of land worth four hundred shekels of silver. What is that between me and you? So bury your dead. So in other words, he gave him the price that he really wanted. And Abraham listened to Ephron. And Abraham weighed out for Ephron the silver, which he had named in the hearing of the sons of Heth. 400 shekels of silver, commercial standard. So Ephron's field, which was in Mechbalah, which faced Mamre, the field and the cave which was in it, and all the trees which were in the field, that were within all the confines of its border, were deeded over to Abraham for a possession in the presence of the sons of Heth, before all who went in at that gate of his city." After this, Abraham buried Sarah, his wife, in the cave of the field of Mechbalah, facing Mamre, in the land of Canaan. So the field and the cave that is in it were deeded over to Abraham for a burial site by the sons of Heth. He didn't have it planned. Can you imagine? That's exactly what you're trying to avoid others that are being left behind by you having to endure. A few examples I have. From being your pastor and helping people through the process. I know if you don't plan, and you are, I speak to even now those of the world. If you don't plan for that, you could be in the morgue for five months. Your body could be stuck there for a long time. Because you're not planning and you're not getting out of this world alive unless your spirit goes to live with the Heavenly Father. Your body will die. This is something that you have to plan for. I don't like it, and I didn't like it when I heard about somebody being in the morgue for months, but it did happen. We have to plan for the future, but yet live in today. God calls us to love Him and to follow in His ways. This is what He's calling us to. This is going to take Tough conversations, not just amongst us, but amongst even the couples. Kara and I have redrawn our trust four times. If you have young ones, you need to decide who they're going to live with. If you travel with just your spouse for couples' retreats or to get away for the weekend, you can die in a car crash. Where will your kids go? That's your responsibility. If you die, like I said, and you don't have life insurance, that is a moral responsibility for you today hearing this message. Find out how much it's going to cost and get it. I've had people come up to me in the past and say, hey, will you actually care for my kids? Even my own family said that. And of course I want to care for your kids, but the first question out of my mouth is, how much life insurance do you have? I've got a plan for the future too. And if something like that comes upon me, I need to know how to care for your children. That is something that we all need to do. So, now, I'm going from individual status of making sure we're ready for the future, and I'm going to go to congregational peace now. In two weeks, so not the 31st, but the 7th, I believe, of November, we need to have a discussion in the Disciple Center with who is still going to be here in the next 10 to 15 years, right? We can say yes, but things may happen. I get it. Things change. But we need to start planning for the future. And I have talked to Dr. Stokes, and he said, yeah, that conversation does need to happen. And no, the pastors can't make the decisions, but they can help guide and direct where the disciple center may go. But the decisions have to be a congregational decision of what's going to happen when he's gone. And so that is something that we have to do. Yes, we're training up other men. We're training up the women to be responsible. And I love the fact that when Pastor Jeff leaves, Katie jumps in, Christy jumps in, We don't have to worry. We can continue to go. There's no problem. But what's a disciple center look like? Will we break off when Pastor Bruce passes away or he decides to retire and move somewhere else? If he does, what's it going to be like? And yes, again, we have to adapt. Things may change. And say we put things in place that, yes, we're going to continue on. And if he suddenly does pass, it helps knowing where we're going. In the same way, if you have things in order personally, it helps your family in that process. And so we're going to have a discussion. I'm going to encourage everybody who can to be here in person on that day. If not, be here on Zoom because I want your feedback. I want to have those conversations. They're not easy conversations. But that is something. Because guess what? Death has no power over us. Because... Jesus came, He died for us, we're living our lives for Him. And so we have to look to the future and plan for the future, but live in the now. That's the key piece. We're not planning to say this is the way it's going to go and that's the only way. No. When things do happen, we need to adjust. But we have to plan for certain things so that way we can make the right decisions now. So, I... Um, I listen to a lot of music, which I love. And so, I was listening to Jeremy Camp yesterday, and he has a new song out. And it's called, Death Has No Power. There's no power in death for a strong Christian. And so, I brought this up, and I asked, went through this with Kara. She said, that's a really good song. And yes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end my sermons in songs. And if you guys have questions afterwards, that works. But I'm going to play you this song and let you listen to it as it plays.
1: Grip of hell will not be made, filled with your power, I'm standing free, Jesus you are my glorious king, oh, In no power over me There's no chain You cannot break Your deepest scar You might erase My sacrifice A praise I bring Jesus, you are my glorious King. Has no power over me. I will stand. your sting, the enemy can't make a sound, he bows and his defeat, the curse was broken on that day, the to of Calvary.
0: no power over us because we've put our trust in Jesus Christ who died and rose again from the dead and so we don't have to be unsure of the future we need to plan for the future is what we need to do one more story a pastor I know I was talking to years ago before I was even a pastor he said that he knew of a man that was getting older he barely made minimum wage. But he had a strong salvation. He had a strong faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he took the, the marriage supper of the Lamb seriously. So serious that he said, when a bride gets engaged, or a somebody that's engaged, starts to plan for their wedding, do they just show up on their wedding day? thinking that the dress is going to be done. No, they have to go. They have to try on dresses and get fitted. He said that this young man, this 60-year-old man, started saving money, didn't really own really nice suits, but he saved around $1,400 at the time and bought an Armani suit. And he told his family, this is beautiful. This is an amazing suit that will not be worn and it's fitted for me, only me, until my death. He said, this I will be buried in. Because if this, it may deteriorate, and it probably will, but if this is what I'm going to see, and see my Lord in, and the marriage supper of the Lamb, it needs to be the best. I thought, really? You know, He said, yeah, I knew that guy. And I thought, wow. There's also one, you guys know Doyle Braden. Some of you may just know of his name, but he was here when we were ordained a few years ago. But he's he recently, he's one of the 12 that I know that passed in the past year. But he was fighting cancer for a few years, and I was told that he set his family down after the cancer came back, and he said, look, The cancer has come back. We need to decide whether or not I'm going to go through chemo again. You guys saw what happened, but I'll do as you wish. But no matter what, just like the first time, Jesus better be glorified through it. Our plans need for ourselves, for this congregation, to glorify the kingdom of God. No matter what we do, We come in unified, we'll leave unified on our discussions. We may not agree, but we better be glorifying the kingdom of God. Just like you and your spouse must have difficult conversations, pray about it before, pray about it afterwards, and then let Him be in the midst of those conversations. Glorify the kingdom, no matter what. For today, and planning for the future. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven,